0: What is up, everyone, and welcome back to Season 3, Episode 8 of Bored and Nerdy. We are back after our one-week hiatus. I ditched you guys to go hang out on an island with my family, and I feel zero guilt about it. Uh, Oh, yeah, by the way, my name is S. Dan, the legend. I am one of your two hosts for the evening. As always, I am a content creator on the Twitch.TV, working on getting that YouTube up and running. But ultimately, I'm a professional meme maker. With me, as always, is my fellow content creator. Yo, I'm going to start calling him a true dungeon master, as he is beginning his tutelage of underlings in the D&D world. And honestly, just a good buddy of mine. Hey, it's Dale. Hey.
1: Now I'm Dale. Dale, how you doing, bud? I'm very tired, man. I know I complain about work all the time, but hey, I'll work. It's rough. It's humid. It's hot. I hate the summer. That's where I'm at right now.
0: <laughs> you know, dude, I haven't even gotten to enjoy all the things I love about summer yet. Because I've been doing that summer school grind and it ends tomorrow. Yes. And uh I'm going to make sure that as you're sitting here hating summer, I'm going to rub my summer joy all in your autumn loving face.
1: I'm, Uh, I'm happy for you. Go enjoy the hot, sticky buggy mess. I'm (laughs) going to stay inside and go outside when it's cold and everything's dead.
0: Don't worry. We'll have pumpkin spice lattes together. It'll be okay. (laughs) We'll put it on our white woman Instagram. Um, (laughs) You know, Speaking of white women Instagram, I got to tell you guys real quick about uh, this place I stayed. Um, so, you know, since I've been a youngin, my family has gone out to this place in Rhode Island called Block Island. If you're up in the Northeast and you have a chance to get there, man, it's an absolutely gorgeous place. The beaches are beautiful. The water is great. Um, just a good time. But uh, it was kind of like a last-minute decision that we were going. And mm. by the time that we went to go book a place to stay... Um, there's only two options available, which I was even surprised about that. Like this place. So no business out there takes reservations for the following summer until January 1st. If you call by like January 5th, every place you want to stay is booked for the entire summer. Um, So this is a last minute decision. And the missus did like this little hustle thing, found us these two places to stay and I just picked the one with the cuter name, right? It was, it was like the hotel or the inn. And I was like, huh. Oh, the inn. Maybe there'll be a quest giver. Let's go to the inn, <laughs> right? So I'm so glad we did, dude, because this place ended up being such a cool little spot. Um, it's like an old farmhouse that they built a bridgeway or a breezeway. Between to another old farmhouse. So it's like two farmhouses that are now one house.
1: So it's like repurposed, like just combining the different uh, buildings together. That's dope.
0: So one of them was like it has, I don't know, maybe like a three to four acre plot behind it, which for out there, that's a huge uh, plot of land to to work with. And then the other one was actually a lumber situation. Uh, Right up the hill is the old mill. It's still there. It it still operates, but the property that they used to grow trees on was turned into the second half of this inn. So, anyways, I want to get to the real point of the story, which is breakfast. Uh, I travel for food and beaches and that's it. Um, I want to eat. I want to sit on the beach and then I'll let the missus drag me to go do whatever she wants to do wherever we are. Uh, (laughs) As long as there's good food there and there's a beach for me to sit on or the only exception was New Orleans because music. Um, sure. But, you know, so we, as part of the deal, breakfast was included. And Guys, I just got to tell you because I, I was very excited about it. Um, we go down to this like common room. It's not a dining room. It was like the family room repurposed into the dining room. It's all eclectic. It's all like different chairs and dining tables. Nothing really makes sense. And... A door opens that I thought was a closet. And uh they live on the back side of the farmhouse in like the, the owners do in like this apartment that's attached to the rest of this inn. Oh, and there's nice. and they're literally kicking uh cooking out of like a regular ass kitchen, bro. Like like you and I have. Right? So it's
1: it's like pure like folk home style. One hundred
0: dude, it was a fucking cottage vibe dude like old school <laughs> house on the prairie kind of vibe but like with a uh, a summery beachy twist to it and they walk out and this is the first piece of food i see come out of this place it's about the size of like two hockey pucks right and they go lemon blueberry muffin to start things off and i'm like oh, jesus what it was made from scratch, and it was the most delicious thing I put in my mouth in a very long time. Um, <laughs> needless to say, rest of breakfast followed suit, and uh, we got to experience this all weekend long. It was like just it—it it was just included too. I didn't have to pay for any damn thing. So if anybody uh, wants to get themselves the most delicious breakfast I've probably eaten anywhere, ever, and like that's legit. Check out the Old Town Inn on Block Island, Rhode Island. There's a the shameless plug for a company that doesn't pay me, but I just had to tell you guys about this man because this muffin blew my mind. Um, and now you guys know about my mind being blown by a blueberry lemon muffin.
1: <laughs> Hi Dale. All right. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to move on from that. Where do we? Where do we go? We've already hit the top. We have homemade berry
0: lemon muffins, <laughs> guys. Welcome to uh, this is board now, as in like a cutting board, um, and nerdy, and, and we'll be We're doing a cooking food. podcast now. <laughs> Dude, I I could go on forever about the places I've visited and the food that I've I've experienced while I've gone places. But you know, another great way to talk about culture other than food is through music. Look at that segue. Somebody signed me up for love a podcast. It. Oh man, so we left off guys two weeks ago uh, with Dale's recommendation, but the cool thing about this one is we were both experiencing it for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and that was Empire Empire, what it takes to move forward, so Dale, I, I yes. you recommended it to me, so I feel like I should talk first, but... At any point in time that that you want to jump in and be like, yeah, I felt that too. You know, like let's 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 make this a mutual thing here. OK, uh,
1: yeah, I felt I felt a lot of ways about this and all of them. Good. So I'm excited again.
0: So. All right. Let let me just say this first. OK. I listened to this on a ride up to a nerd day. Um, it was about a 45 minute ride. And I don't want this to come off as an insult at all. All right. But I felt the way about this album that I think you felt about. I could make a mess about uh, with like nobody's business.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Nothing was offensive. I did not want to skip anything. But at the same time, nothing stood out. And if you had asked me when one song ended and one song began on that drive, I couldn't tell you. Mm -hmm. I kind of got the same... I didn't feel like I was brought on any sort of a journey. I felt like the experience just kind of continued from one song to the next. Now, as I say that, um, I wrote down a, a mixture of what I heard throughout this album. In most songs, I heard... Anthony Green of uh, Circus Survive Seosin, in, in the way this guy sang, a lot. Actually, interesting. It, is it, it is it a male singer? Because there's a couple of parts where I thought there was a female vocalist.
1: Uh, I want to I want to say it's the dude. Okay, I do not remember off the top of my head though. But in,
0: in the same way that Green could kind of get like sharp and shrill in a way that like almost sounds like a female singer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got that one a couple times throughout uh, the experience here, but at the same time, you know that would be the choruses. So the choruses would have this real circus survive vibe to it. But I felt like in the verses, I was listening to Ben from Death Cab for Cutie, kind of that yep. like it felt like the top lip was rolled behind the teeth, like I got a hunger. You know that that sort of vibe. Um so the vocals is is, it makes those two experiences which are both things i enjoy the music however reminded me of a lesser quality thursday
1: interesting Uh,
0: now the other band i wanted to reference it to i know that you don't know and because if i drop the name now it'll spoil my recommendation for you Uh, you know they, I felt like they were trying to be uh, my next week's recommendation. So before I go any further, what were your takes on Empire Empire?
1: Okay, so I agree with a lot, a lot of what you said. Um, especially the fact like the this album did not take me on an adventure or a journey. The same way that, like, Fox Charter did, right? Like, each song is a specific destination, has a specific vibe, and you can, like, map out where you're going across the country. Mm -hmm. This one just all blends together. It's really difficult to tell when something starts, stops. And I loved it. Um, This goes right into the... What, the, like the specific niche that I have of liking stuff that drones on together, but it doesn't sound out of place or like it lasts too long and there's enough variation. Uh, I liked the different uses of time signatures and how it varied with even within the same songs. Uh, this is a long album, guys. We've got 15 songs and like five of these songs are over six minutes It's crazy long. And it's just, it goes, it it has a nice blend where it goes between these really soft, hushed, uh, like soft-spoken bits to very dynamic, louder. You were commenting on like the high-pitched vocal bits, uh, specifically for uh, oftentimes in the choruses. And I really, really liked those dynamic changes. Uh, I find it interesting that you mentioned like a lower quality thursday and circus survive Seosin. because i feel like empire empire i guess specifically this album is a blend of death Cap for cutie sunny day real estate and play radio play now i i, I think the what the most known band off of that list is probably Death Cab. I don't know how popular Sunny Day Real Estate is, but they were huge in the, what, like.
0: They were kind of uh, considered one of the first emo bands.
1: Yeah, like the first wave, second wave in like the 90s that gave birth to everything we got in like the thousands later on. And they, I when I got really into Sunny Day, this was one of the bands that was recommended to, like, branch off of. And I think that there is a lot of crossover. And even think about stuff like Stavocin or Circus Survive, right? Where it... You can see, like, influences from there as well breaking off. Um, and I definitely didn't pick up on that. But I... My thought towards Death Cab is my favorite album of Death Cab.
0: I... If you love. say anything other than Transatlantium, right? I might, I might leave.
1: I love plans. Plans is my from Damn. start to finish
0: leave it. I'm done.
1: favorite album. Transatlanticism is a close second. It's got some great songs, but I don't feel the completeness, the wholeness, the emptiness. I do from listening to plans and that is the same type of vibe that this left me with i loved the what like the droning guitars and how you could have the uh like the rhythm in with distorted guitars and then the melodies are in clean guitars and i just oh oh i love i loved so much about this album
0: See that's where I say like just what you're talking about the the clean over the distorted it reminds me very much of like Paris in Flames or um, understanding in a crash from from Thursday, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know that that's where I was kind of getting that that vibe from, but you mentioned earlier that you kind of like how it's the sameness all the way through. And there there are bands that I enjoy because from being, beginning to end, it's all kind of the same song. It does something I like. I just think what it is here is that, again, nothing on here was skip worthy or offensive to me, but there's nothing that made me crave more of it. So I think mm-hmm. of like, for instance, uh, Dashboard Confessional is a, is a group slash guy that, does the same thing over and over again, but something that I enjoy and crave. And so when one song sounds like the next, you know, it, throw it in a mix with secondhand serenade. and You've got like four hours of the exact same shit, you know. True.
1: <laughs> so true. But,
0: but I guess for me, it just doesn't hit the same switches that it hit for you. But I didn't have a bad time with it. And, and to your point, like, guys, that 45 minute drive, I still had like, I think, two or three songs to, to go when I pulled into the driveway. Um, so I, I finished up on the way back. So, I mean, this is definitely like if you got an hour commute to work, this this album takes your whole commute and then parking. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> and then part of your lunch. So, if you guys want to check it out again, that's Empire Empire, um, and the album we went over was "What It Takes to Move Forward." Speaking of moving forward, Dale, how about moving I give right you, along? How about I give you my recommendation for next week? And the band that this reminded me the most of, but it meant nothing without you knowing. Uh, so, on Spotify and iTunes, you might have to look them up, guys, as TTNG. Uh, But what TTNG Uh, stands for is This Town Needs Guns. Needs Guns, Guns. yes. All right. Are you familiar? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were not familiar with This Town Needs
1: Guns. Yeah, I know them. I heard them. I listened.
0: (sighs) Have you listened to the album Animals? Because that happens to be my favorite TTNG album. I
1: don't think it. I think I've listened to like maybe one or two songs. Definitely not the entire thing.
0: All right, well, then a purposeful listening to This Town Needs Guns, the album Animals. Uh, one of my favorite things about this al- album is there is no crazy song titles uh, to to have to remember. <laughs> as long as you ignore the last two. Um, but, you know, we got Pig, Baboon, Panda, you know, Gibbon, Rabbit. They're literally the, named after animals, so that's, that's a fun time. Um, so, guys, if you want to check them out, you know, follow along with us, and you'll know what we're talking about when we get together to uh, discuss This Town Needs Guns album, Animals.
1: Good stuff. Good stuff. Can't
0: wait. Yeah, man, well, that's a great – that's a great – if I might make one more recommendation, when you've got to put your head down to get something done, like – housekeeping or you know some some like painting miniature something you're gonna be focused on and you just need that music to kind of uplift you but you don't really have to try too hard to enjoy it that's one of my favorite times to listen to this album
1: all right i'm excited for that then
0: yeah 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 so dale uh sometimes on this channel we talk about video games um (laughs) what's that's I crazy. Know. We've been through food. We've been through music. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say that um, right before we went live, I've had one of the worst experiences and biggest letdown experiences I've had in a long time with a game I'm playing. Um, So on Thursdays, I, I, I try to mess around a little bit and play some of those, like, humble games that Dale and I we're talking about and uh i dove into one that has really high ratings i i thought it was resident sleeper called family man not the one i was super disappointed in um but i don't think it was noteworthy so i pop into this, this beautiful movement based platformer called ageless all right and at first i'm like this is stupid this is dumb And then they give you the mechanics of the game. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm having fun all of a sudden. This is (laughs) awesome. You went from being dumb to fun. Good for you, game. And then it went to being the stupidest damn thing I've ever played ever in the history of stupid games. Okay? You have to beat, like, stages. Uh, It kind of progressing on a map that really reminded me of, like, a, a Yoshi's World sort of situation or... Or a Super Mario where you're you're got that overworld map with the little nodes that you're traveling through. And as you get to the end of it, there's this boss challenge. Literally, if you mess up by one pixel, you're dead. And the game had been very gracious with checkpoints and saves and like go ahead and screw up. Um, the the puzzles were challenging and punishing, but you only wasted like ten seconds at a time, and, mm-hmm. and not a big deal. Well, this freaking thing is like you gotta get it all done in one shot, and when you finally get one portion pixel perfect, so like you're getting chased uh, by the screen, essentially, guys. Is what's happening? It's an auto scroll situation. You're getting chased by the screen, and you have to stay in front of the cloud that's chasing you. And if you were even one button input off, you were dead. And it went from being so much fun and relaxing, but yet challenging, to I uninstalled it immediately. Um, so, I guess the reason I'm telling you guys this is it's what I've been playing. If you guys actually know how to beat that part, get at your boy, because... I might have uninstalled it too quickly because I kind of also want to know what comes next. Um, <laughs> but it was on the Humble Bundle not too long ago. Uh, check it out if you guys want to. Maybe I'm just an idiot. It's a lot easier than than I thought it was. But also, if you rage quit at the end of Pandora, please let me know so I don't feel like an idiot. Dale, what have you been playing, man?
1: Uh, I've been playing a game that has blown my mind over and over and over again I've been playing Bloodborne and I have been loving it so much like you when you're going through your Dark Souls playthrough, the Hollow Knights, the uh, the Ender Lilies everything else Something that we both have in common is loving the lore, loving the story, the stuff that's not fed directly to us. The things that we can observe, the enemies we see, how things interact with each other, what the sky looks like, what's going on in the background, what's in that one window. Oh, it's not there anymore. Why is that? All those little bits of flavor. Love it. And going back through Bloodborne, trying to take all that in has been a phenomenal phenomenal experience i went through most of the main game i think probably 95 percent of the main game save the chalice dungeons which are like extra roguelike randomly generated dungeons that can go on and on and on and on forever for as many combinations as there are. Uh gone through most of the main game in about 5 days, 5 or 6 days of like 3 to 4 hour increments. I think I've only died like what what did I end? Like 89 93 times. A only. lot of fun. Yeah, only. Like <laughs> reflecting back on my Dark Souls 2 playthrough, and having a death counter of like three hundred something. Uh yeah. I'm gonna say only. Because fuck Dark Souls two. And I don't I don't care. My hate my hate is still there. <laughs> Dude, is I haven't I haven't gone back.
0: <laughs> I, I I can't blame you at all. I haven't gone back.
1: But saying that, we've come to a couple a couple of bosses. In the DLC of Bloodborne. And my god. I feel like... (sighs) The DLC of Dark Souls 1 is expansive, I feel like. It feels like a whole new region. There is so much stuff to do. I feel like the DLC of Bloodborne is legit a brand new game. I went through like the what the first like two hours of the DLC before finding a new lamppost which serves as your checkpoints and being able to warp back to the hub world and I was like oh my god when am I going to get a new one? What's going on? This is so difficult. And as someone who's like well versed, well experienced with the series with like interpreting uh trends and like when things are going to appear when things are not going to appear it was so refreshing i felt so lost and i had the experience of oh i'm actually experiencing this for the first time and it's so difficult to get that experience all over again and i was so appreciative of it There are two bosses from the DLC that gave me problems in particular. And I was just thinking, oh my God, the very first boss of the DLC nearly doubled my death count going over the entire course of the vanilla game. The vanilla, the entire vanilla game doubled on one boss and it is so refreshing i got i got frustrated but it was so refreshing and hello koshka hello jovi i appreciate that subarino welcome welcome by we were talking about what i've been playing recently that's bloodborne and uh this brings us over to i think my favorite fight of this game so far my favorite fight so far has been lady maria of the astral clock tower Estan, stan what's my favorite fight from dark souls 3
0: uh with or without dlc
1: with, with uh with dlc
0: uh it's frida is it not
1: i found the exact template for that frida fight this has the same kind of dynamic ebb and flow and rhythm and pace with the uh, like second phase Abyss Watchers and uh, third phase Frida. And it felt so good. Coupled with the fact that Bloodborne is much more aggressive, you're meant to like constantly be up in your uh, enemies' faces and constantly going back in and dipping and diving and ducking and dodging and rolling. It this fight provided something i've been looking for and wanting for the entirety of this game in a way that i didn't know i don't know what exactly it is about it it's so satisfying and i i just i having finally experienced it i feel complete <laughs> It's been a great time. Dang,
0: man. Got me over here jealous.
1: <laughs> Bloodborne for PC. Come on Sony, you can do it.
0: <laughs> it's okay, man. I'll I'll be getting something uh in just a couple of days to hold me over in, in my punishing game series. Um I, Dale's got the clip playing in the background there guys I do want to just add I see a little pontiff in there too with the uh the double sword action and the way that it it dives down upon you and um, yeah I could I could definitely definitely see uh some of my favorite fights in that Maria of the astral tower or whatever the hell her name was oh man Look at look at that moon blade, look at that. Yeah, thing. look at that thing. That thing's huge.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. We're looking at a uh, Ludwig, the Holy Blade now, and this is this is huge into the lore. Uh, the DLC takes place an unknown amount of time uh, before the start of the game that you play in vanilla, and it goes through like the beginnings of the history and the lore you learn about going through the game and it's like you get to actually experience it it's kind of like Seal in a way in the uh dark souls 1 dlc yeah yeah where like you follow artorius's story essentially what's your character what's looks going on? a
0: little bit like a uh a uh what's the word i'm looking for an abyss watcher over there right now
1: i can i can kind of see it's got the pointy the pointy oh, yeah. uh hat and whatnot yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, great, great times. Cannot recommend this enough.
0: Well, if they ever give it to us, which I feel like if they have it by now, they they probably won't unless it's in a remastered situation.
1: Um, yeah, which, I mean, honestly, if we get a Bloodborne remastered, I would be a happy, happy boy. Bloodborne, hopefully PC, if not whatever, 60 FPS, decent multiplayer, good builds. Great PvP, I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool, man. I, I'd like to experience it, but you know, I got
1: I got Elden Ring
0: coming up in a few a uh, few months anyway, so you know, <clears throat> we'll just True. we'll scratch that itch there. Um, you know, on, on the horizon, it's kinda, I feel like it's. <sighs> I was trying to actually explain to uh, good buddy Joe what Grime is going to be about. Um, I, I actually, at the end, I was like, dude, you just got the demo still up. I was like, you just go play the demo. Just, you'll understand. Um, and with that dropping in just a couple of days, man, I'm so freaking excited, uh, to first things first is if you guys haven't followed the, the dev team, um, at playgrime on Twitter, they are just first off the nicest dude. So dude, so appreciative of like any support they're getting. Um, I've actually had a couple discussions with uh, with people and tweeting back and forth about it. Um, this game initially did not come up on my radar. It was it was Dale that that put it on my radar during uh,
1: was it Next Fest Dale or was it Wholesome uh, Direct? I don't remember. I want to say Wholesome Direct. Uh, I've memory. What is it?
0: Yeah. So uh, sometime during that whole summer of games like week of just here's a whole bunch of stuff to to drool over, uh this demo dropped. And in the first ten minutes, I was not having it at all. Um and we I think we talked about it uh on the channel how I went back and, and beat the whole thing. But um they've shown and I don't want to talk about it because some people I know are uh not trying to spoil things, but I will say that there are two showcases available on YouTube right now. Uh, the links are on at play grimes, Twitter. Um, one is just showing you zones and areas you're going to go through. And very much. So like you were just saying, Dale, the way that we love those lore hints in the background and the way that the world evolves through the story to kind of tell the story without telling the story, um, some of these environments, man, look, I've already got guesses as to the whole rock form uh, child thing that, that we were trying to figure out in the demo, just based on the backgrounds uh, that they show in this, this showcase. They also uh, showed off a bunch of the weapons. It's something I did not realize because we had so little in the demo. Um, the weapons are living. And Oh, as living weapons, when you level them up, they will change in appearance. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: that's that's really dope. Uh, for anyone out there, the question was asked in chat, what demo we're talking about. The game is called Grime. It's a uh, Metroidvania-like title um, that uh, we just experienced, what, like a month ago?
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. It was definitely summer months. Yeah, and, and just everything from the way the movement in this game was and, and looks like it's going to continue to be, um, there's just a lot of positive things I've already experienced. It's a it's a dev team I really want to see succeed, uh, especially in a day and age where you're hearing all these scumlord stories out there about publishers and dev teams. Um, to see the little guys doing it right and, and bringing quality content to the table, I can't wait to get my hands on it and finish it, man. I, I, yeah. I think this could be my next boot it up. It don't stop until I've completed it game.
1: Yeah. I'm really, I'm very similar with music, right? You see a lot of up and coming indie artists who are doing it on their own. Like what Fox rider in their living room. And it sounds like such a good finished polished product to see that we're getting the same quality through uh indie devs for games is astounding to me i remember like three years back four years back five years back i'm thinking like indie games are this like minimalistic like budget uh beginner game series whatever but no there's so much love and there's so much more accessibility now i'm I'm really happy to see the thoughts, progress, and accomplishments that any devs are receiving now. And I'm definitely I definitely want to what? Try and support any devs more. So I think I've had way more fun with indie games than I have over much else mm-hmm. um, in the past few years.
0: I, I agree entirely. And, and also, when they're trying to take like these unique turns, it doesn't always hit. I, I think once upon a time, you and I discussed this too. Sometimes I want to support even when they miss, but they try a new direction that at least introduces a mechanic that's like enjoyable. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's it, the
1: same way that I felt about Dark Souls 2. Uh, you you all know me. You know I don't like Dark Souls 2. But I'll be damned if I don't respect the innovative things that they tried to do with it. You got power stancing. You got uh, better dual wielding. You got better PvP. You got interesting ideas like life gems that restore health uh, slowly over time that offer a lot of really cool build varieties and whatnot you got hexes you got you have a lot of really cool ideas in it even if it didn't quite catch me and i i don't like the finished product i can still respect and admire the good in it right
0: yeah i think that if more people took that approach um we would see I think it's more what we wouldn't see the repackaging of the same Call of Duty game every six months right like games not straying too far from the formula because they're afraid to Um, because then you know like FromSoft comes back with Dark Souls 3 and knocks out of the fucking park and and I think that uh, having a community that will support you even when you get it wrong but go hey man we see what you did We see what you were trying to do. I I think that's important, Um, especially for small companies.
1: You know, thinking about this, because we have a few people here who are really interested in uh in card games and like the card roguelikes, Mm -hmm. uh, like Schwie, Wolf, you, several others. I'm thinking like my first real introduction to that was Slay the Spire, but you have a lot of games nowadays that take that formula, and there's been like a lot of. Mhm adapting it where it might be the same idea right you build a deck you go through the world you spend cards you gain cards rebuild but there's so much extra <clears throat> content mechanics that really do distinguish them all from each other yeah it's as an outsider who's not like super into that it's really cool to see like the evolution of that
0: well, even if we look at uh, another demo I played back in the Next Fest was that Cards of the Dead. It, it's mm-hmm. still a deck-building, roguelike situation, um, but in an RPG setting. It's not room-to-room. It's through a story, through levels. I, I I don't think it's going to hit very well, but I do think that people will pay attention to the way it's used um, as a vehicle for a story driven game. And, and I think that that could be a pretty cool thing. And I don't think it would have come to light had it not been for the success of games like um, uh, Slate of Spire or Dicey Dungeon or even Monster Train. You know, I, I think yeah. a lot of those games really helped these other artists put together different concepts um and and that comes again back to the original point of we got to support when people think outside the box even when they miss so that we could get new innovative things because otherwise we're just gonna get stuck with the same old crap over and over and over again
1: agreed Um, imagine just picture this with me right it's what 1984 1987 mm -hmm. the legend of zelda Comes out for the NES, you're like, oh my God, this is the game of all adventure games. This is the top crown. This is first place. What? What's that? Nintendo's making a second Legend of Zelda? They're making a sequel? And then it's trash. Right. Everyone bombs it. No one cares about it. And it ends up being a laughing stock. Just imagine, think. For a single thought, that was the end of Legend of Zelda. None of those ideas from the first game were brought over. None of the ideas of the like town settings from The Adventures of Link was brought forward and just died. What a different landscape we would have right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, we would have never gotten... Well, we'll even think about it this way, right? Like, what was the biggest change between Zelda and Link? We went from top down to the side-scrolling situation, right? Yeah. So what if they never changed up camera angles again? What if they had just stuck to that top down, and then we never get Ocarina of Time?
1: And that was monumental.
0: You know, like... I think I think that's a brilliant point you bring up because we have seen it happen and a game can miss and then come back and try the same thing using what they learned from the miss to create something that literally busts the doors wide open on what we think of as an adventure game. I mean, yeah. if you look at all the games after Ocarina of Time that tried to be ocarina of time you know it it started a whole genre um yeah dude
1: it gets me thinking about pokemon though because pokemon's formula has been nearly the exact same Mm -hmm. since its conception i think pokemon at this point is way more about the merchandise Right, the 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 brand than the actual like game itself. Yes, 100%. But thinking, if I remember right, like it was even designed with that in mind. Like the game was secondary to the brand, and the game was to supplement the brand and the merchandising, which I think was an insane call. I don't know how I feel. I think I feel kind of conflicted about it. But that's that's a story for another time. But well, um, I
0: mean, hold on. I got. I have to jump in here. Don't forget what you're about to say though, because I don't want to do that to you. <laughs> if we if we think about when Pokemon became a thought and a process in Japan, right? That mm-hmm. I think that's what we have to keep in mind. Not the American market, the Japanese market. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, you you create the toy, the toy line, then the cartoon to go with it. And then, if appropriate, the movie or the game to go with it. I mean, that's how we got GI Joe. That's how we got uh, the Smurfs. True. That's how we got um, Transformers. Like all these, they were toy concepts first, and then they had to make the cartoon to go with the toys. So, like, while it does feel scummy, um, that Pokemon in Japan started in that time period where Toys R Us was still a thing and, and where the oh, physical toy store brought kids flocking in because of what they watched on Saturday mornings.
1: I just aged like 20 years when you I mentioned know. Toys R Us. <laughs> I miss Jeff. Jeff,
0: what do you think Jeff's doing? I think Jeff's probably <laughs> just like sitting on the side of the road with a tin cup.
1: With a tin cup. Help, can I have, can I have some coins? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Jeff. <laughs> well, yeah, great segue though. Keeping up with the times, laying down the formulas. Toys or Us, unfortunately, couldn't conform with the formula. Um, Pokemon hasn't really, at its core level, it hasn't changed much. You are a young kid. You go out to battle the gym leaders in the region. You collect things. You catch things, you train things, done, call it a day. And the different ways that they mix up the formula are by the gimmicks that they add to the game. I just which realized are very hit or miss.
0: I just realized what it is. I just realized what it is. Pokemon has never been a video game. Pokemon was the first. And, and think about this. This is true. You can't, I'll fight you. Physically fight anybody that wants to disagree with me on this. Pokemon was the first digital trading card game. Like, that's what they're, in the same way that Magic has been doing the same goddamn thing since I was in fifth grade. It's The game is played the exact same ways. What they change up from set to set is the gimmick mechanics, but the core mechanics are still there. That's what Pokemon has done. Even so much so that they invented the link cable for the Game Boy Advance so that you could trade Pokemon from one Game Boy to the next. It was the original trading card game. And if you want the latest Pokemon from the latest set, what do you got to do?
1: You got to trade.
0: Right? So, like, that's that's just, I think at it's the same reason that Magic works, Yu-Gi-Oh! works, and the Pokemon trading card game works. Right? The video game is just the trading cards in a digital format.
1: That is such a thought. Man, I never really thought about like that, but like I could definitely I could definitely buy it. Could definitely buy it.
0: Uh except for Pokemon Unite, which if you guys haven't checked it out yet, is literally just Pokemon League of Legends.
1: I've been meaning to take a look into it. Bro, it's free. Uh, I downloaded it for my I downloaded it for my Switch. I've got it. I've got it on hold. I just haven't booted it up because I'm lazy and I got other stuff on my plate, like everything we're going to be talking about. But yeah, it looks super interesting. It it looks like a League clone, but different and like we're going to bring it back. We're going to walk it back. It's evolving and it's changing things up which right we got we gotta praise the say it with me innovation
0: yeah but here's the deal I, I i will say as somebody that's watched uh longtime friend of the valkyrie streamers for those that know what valkyrie was uh and how Dale and i met uh BuzzFair has been going pretty he's almost been maining Pokemon unite um for the past week or however long it's been out What they did is they just cherry picked mechanics from other games. Um, there is the Pokemon has its ability, its QWER abilities, um, that you use like you do in League. You do have lanes that you're pushing down, like you do in League, but it also took a lot of mechanics from um MXM, which was a game that. We went heavy on it. Sadly, it got canceled. I forget the company that that put that out there. It was um, it was a well known like game developer publisher. I didn't know any of the characters, so I didn't know that. But I did enjoy it. Uh, but this idea of instead of destroying the towers, you have to collect a certain amount of resources uh, to kind of buy the destruction of the towers. Um, but it does seem interesting. It is following that free to play mechanic. And uh yeah, dude, like I don't know. And Pokemon Pokemon has done a few weird things, right? Like Snap was seemed like an awkward take, uh, but it hit, it was popular. Uh Pokemon Go, I know several people that are still avidly involved in Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. Um they seem to just keep finding these new ways for us to interact with their title. And and they, I would say they hit more often than they miss. But I'm also not super familiar with all the the titles. Um, have you ever experienced a Pokemon miss?
1: Uh, I personally, I didn't really like Sun and Moon. Uh, it broke. It, it's one of those outliers. It broke from the formula of you're a kid, you go around a region, and you fight gym leaders. It had a similar concept. It wasn't the same. It it I, I grew bored and disinterested in it. And whether that's just like an age thing, and like I'm now getting all nostalgic for the games from my childhood, because uh, I'm I <laughs> right? I'm a '90s baby. I grew up with Pokemon. Pokemon has always been a thought in my head since I was like five. So. I don't know if it's just like I'm starting to grow out of the new stuff or what, but I just, yeah, I didn't really get into it, but everything past that has felt pretty solid. I didn't really pay attention to, uh, like Pokemon Let's Go, right? With the hmm. Pikachu and Eevee that first came out for the Switch, um, but it seemed like a, like, nice nostalgic thing for the folks who played Pokemon Go. It was a nice way to, like, tie that in, and I heard people like really enjoyed it for what it was. So yeah, I, I definitely agree that it's mostly hits over misses. I would love to see them incorporate
0: the Pokemon go more somehow. Right. Like um, maybe I do things in real life that allow my Pokemon in the game to level up in a special way or to, to I don't know. Like I just feel like there could be more done with that, especially with the fact that Pokemon go, was supposed to be uh, a health thing, like they wanted nerds to get outside to and actually get know up
1: what, and walk and yeah, yeah,
0: and actually know what sunshine is. Um, so I, I would like to see them incorporate that more. Man, how we get on all these side topics? Jesus, it's almost like we're always on tangents or something.
1: Uh, on the tangent, you don't say.
0: Wait, wait, I'm looking at the the agenda for this evening, Dale. I don't see Pokemon anywhere on here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was in the subtext. It's just like point two font.
0: All right, all right. So you know, because because I feel like we always get the D and D stuff pushed back. Um, I know you wanted to talk a little bit. And I know this is an awkward segue, but with the amount of time we got left, I don't have the smoothness here, right? So sure. I know that that becoming a DM has been a huge thing for you over the past. I I was gonna say a couple months, but I know. It, your campaign has been going on in your head and in world development for, uh, a year or so now. Um, but I know you had a topic you want to talk about in the D and D world. So let's get into it, man.
1: Yeah. So I have a couple of things. Uh, one, yes, I have been planning my adventures in the, in this world, the, uh, the continent of Sindris. Um, very much influenced by my love for Bloodborne, actually the entire concept of this curse of beastum that uh, it, what has been inflicted upon the world and how people can turn into these beasts is just a very like big influence uh, deal. But these past few months, getting back into D D as a D, I've I've been in a Thursday campaign for years at this point now uh it's been it's been great i've met a lot of great excuse me a lot of great friends uh going through it a lot of folks i wouldn't know otherwise and it's been a phenomenal experience but being in the driver's seat coming up with these characters these settings these locations these plot points it is a different experience entirely. And with you being the, the dungeon master, the god, the ruler of this domain, and narrating and playing along with your players as they stumble their way through the story that you all tell together, it is so satisfying to see the Smiles, these struggles, the attachments that people have with your creations. When you pour this much heart and soul into something, it becomes your creation, your baby, your child. It is a living, breathing thing. And how long have we been having this session? It's probably about like two months or so. It has been such a what? Uh, I feel reinvigorated. Is that, is that not the word? Revived? I feel like I have so much more life and energy uh, with my thoughts going towards, okay, where do we take the story next? Who do they meet next? What kind of characters are they going to see? What items can I give them? What kind of challenges? What kind of puzzles can I throw at them? How can I... How can I make that experience better? And it's been fantastic. Uh, I personally really enjoy watching other DD games as well, whether they're uh, DD streams on Twitch, whether they're like pre recorded uh, videos on YouTube or uh, podcasts on Spotify or something, for a couple of reasons. I think that the shenanigans that players can get into and the banter back and forth can be wacky and entertaining but I also love picking up some of the things that other DMs do and how it positively what enhances the experience that the players have I this might be a hot take I didn't really care much for the past Critical Role series with Matt Mercer as the DM. I know it's had like this whole resurgence of people coming into d and I think that's fantastic. Just at the point where they started, it felt so late in that I couldn't really relate to any of the characters for their first session, their first season. And then I just didn't come in after that. They've now come out with a new series, I believe set in the same world where Matt is now a player and someone else is DMing. And it has been such a good experience. I feel like coming in at that first episode, I think it's planned, planned to be eight episodes long. There is going to be a finite start, middle, uh, start, middle, end. And I feel like with that kind of idea, it really helps, uh, with storytelling, having an idea of like where we're going to go with this for like a one shot adventure. Uh, And seeing just brand new characters start to interact with each other for the first time, you get to experience that with them. And that's the magic. And the way that the uh, dungeon master narrates and interacts with the players is so good. I believe uh, her name is Abria. Abria? Um, And I'm just astounded by the amount of detail one can get across in one or two lines. Doesn't have to be dialogue, right? Like people talking to each other, just little bits of flavor text explaining the setting, the sky, the fall of a log. It is so good. And I, I have had my, my attention constantly, um, on on the past few episodes for the past like week or two it's been eating all my time
0: i'm trying to remember um there was another i just found it i just found it okay all right so way back in the day i was obsessed with geek and sundry um, mm, mm-hmm. it was like my go-to youtube channel I have actually this morning, I drank coffee out of a tabletop mug. Um, <laughs> it, it it was, yes, it was not just like, yeah, guys, it's the same damn one. We'll eat and drink out of on that show. Um, and I tried to get into critical role back when it started on geek and sundry. I just can't do it. Um, I struggle very much so to watch other people play D&D, especially when they don't play my preferred way. Um, Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I cannot, like, as someone that loves RP, I can't take out a character table talk. It it kills me. It absolutely kills me. And those early days, there was a lot of, like, I don't know. I don't want this to get confused with, like, my character throwing cheeky banter at your character in character, right? Like those little side conversations that happen between, you know, uh, my guy and your guy, as we're both speaking in character, perfectly fine with that. But when people are like, yeah, can I, like, do this, that, that, this, that, and that? Well, the answer from the DM is always going to be the same. Roll for it. If you can't do it, you're going to fail no matter what you roll. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. don't ask me. Do it and find out. Um, and in the early days, it was just really painful with a lot of that. Um, so I, I did not get into it. However, uh, I guess... Yeah, it was done. It was done on um, Geek and Sundry. Uh, Titan's Grave. The Ashes of Alcanah that one drew me in and I think it had to do more. So, uh, first off, I, I just enjoyed the setting more. Um, for those that it's still up, I just, I just checked it out. Uh, it's got full playlist of the whole 21 video series. Um, if you guys don't know the meme five gold in a party, that's where it started at was on, uh, ashes of Alcana. but, something about the way that party interacted in the world and it's one of the only campaigns i've ever been able to watch um so i i think the point i was trying to get at i got lost in there as i was trying to do my background research here is that uh for each their own man see i enjoyed mercer as a dm a great deal Uh, My problem was Mm -hmm. with the players that were at the table. Um, Likewise, in Ashes of Alcana, I'm pretty sure it's Will Wheaton is the the DM. Did not particularly care for uh, some of his DMing, but very much so like the players around the table. It's kind of what you're there for, right? And for me, the actual role-playing is the biggest part of it because we can make a shit story great if... We make it great, and i'm glad that you found uh more than one group now you you got your thursdays and your your sundays um to
1: experience your d and RP. yeah it's been it's been great and i honestly i I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be a huge advocate for uh for d and think it is a brilliant I feel like it is a brilliant experience to have at least once sure to see whether you enjoy it or not. There are, it doesn't have to be D and D there are so many different. What, uh, types of games, uh, and settings, Mm -hmm. if you want star Wars, if you want like some sort of like futuristic, uh, cyberpunk or like shadow run or, um, like pathfinder or anything anything else there are some that like dedicated towards the supernatural in like ghost hunting or ghoul hunting or whatever there is going to be something that aligns with your interest and if you thought about what ooh, how do I how do I say this if I find it to be a great release and I find it to be a great way to just relax let go of some worries for a while, have fun with friends and then right. Take a breather and go from there. I think it's a great just time for like me time or friend time uh, to, to have some fun.
0: I have a group that uh I work with and, and we've been trying to do this thing once a month where we get together for, for a nerd activity and uh, we're getting together on the 17th of, of August I've really been pushing hard for a one-shot. We did a Roll20 campaign that started literally the first week of lockdown in COVID. Um, That quickly faded. But I I think it has a lot to do with, um, man, if you guys ever get your hands on the dice and and your asses around the table, I think it makes a huge difference. If you tried it once online, you're like, not for me. I think you also have to try it once in person because there are people that do not like online. There are people that do not like in person and it's not the same experience in both places. And one might be better suited for you than the other.
1: I absolutely agree. There is definitely a different dynamic um, where the entire point is that D&D is very much a social game and you're there to experience it with your, buddies are there to experience it with the other players go through the the tragedies go through the triumphs and i feel like it's definitely something that can very easily bond a group together in a way that maybe is like equivalent to sports perhaps uh through like how how hard you train together the events that you compete in and overcome um I think it's got like a very similar kind of dynamic.
0: Yeah, you're using group effort to overcome an obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I could I could sign off on that. I know there'll be jocks out there that'll be like shut your fucking nerd face. <laughs> um but as a seven sport playing varsity jock, um I, I have to say that I have no problems with that take. Good stuff. Well, Dale, I know we have like 10 other things that are on the agenda for tonight, but I think they're going to have to wait until next week, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll save. We'll save some content. Guys got to come back next week to figure out what's going on.
0: I, I, I'm going to throw one more plug out there. Shameless plug for for us. Um, So we usually spend five to ten minutes wasting content before we even go live. Uh, So if you guys want to hear actually some of our best material, you really got to make sure you get on down to Dale's channel before we are clicking that record button. So we record on Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on twitch.tv slash hey, it's Dale. That's hey with two eyes. The call starts. We shoot the shit. We talk a little bit more about our personal lives during that time. So come on down. Catch this show live. We're interacting with chat this season. You can come down here. You can throw out the questions. You can give us your hot takes in real time. Get on over there. There's no excuse. It's literally free to sign up for a Twitch account. Dale, this town needs guns.
1: This town needs guns. Animals, panda, baboon, monkey.
0: He's already there. Party (laughs) thoughts for the folks at home?
1: I don't know if I have any parting thoughts this time. Um, Oh my gosh. What do I say? Uh, uh, Enjoy. Stay safe. Have fun. I can't wait for fall.
0: You know, that's that's not bad. I just came up with one on the spot here. Support small. Small development teams. Small inns. Small streamers. Be that person that gives that lift to that individual just starting out. Go look at the bottom of the listings for the category you want to watch in Twitch. Right? Go find that YouTube video that was just posted. It's the second guy's video ever. That little corner shop around uh, the block there that you've been putting off. Go be their first big tipper. Get out there, support people chasing their dreams, trying out something new, just like we do every week here on this podcast. Until we see y'all again, please do indeed. Stay gold, Pony Boy.